Chapter 1 of A Lad of Metal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ryan Dixon, A Lad of Metal, by Nat Gould. Bully Rakes, Taken Down. Lessons were over for the day, and the boys at Red Bank School came running with shouts and whoops of joy into the playing fields. They were like young colts freed from restraint for a few hours, and eager to make the most of their liberty. Red Bank was the home of brilliant cricketers and all-round athletes. Many a noted cricketer had received his first lessons in the great game on Red Bank cricket ground. The lads were proud of the men who played in the All England eleven, and who were never slow to acknowledge that to Red Bank they owed what prowess they possessed. The Red Bank lads were born runners, so many an old hand training them for races vowed. Something in the atmosphere of Red Bank seemed to make the lads athletic. Perhaps the traditions attached to the school had much to do with this, for lads are very proud, and justly so, of the feats of scholars who have preceded them. But Red Bank was not merely a training ground for famous athletes. Red Bank scholars had taken high honours at the universities and afterwards distinguished themselves in various walks of life. The Bishop of Flaxham was proud of the fact that he was grounded at Red Bank. He was an eloquent and distinguished man, an ornament to the church, and a brilliant writer of readable books. When the Bishop of Flaxham came to Red Bank and preached in the chapel, the lads with difficulty restrained themselves from giving him a hearty cheer at the end of his address. The bishop knew how to talk to boys, and never forgot that at one period of his life he had been bored with wearisome sermons about the world, the flesh, and the devil, which he did not in the least understand. So he took warning, and told the lads to run the race set before them, much in the same manner as they would a hundred-yard sprint, each striving to win the prize and do the distance in even time. The bishop believed that well-trained muscles and a healthy body were conducive to an active and moral state of mind. The Red Bank lads gloried in the fact that the Bishop of Flaxham had been one of themselves. Field Marshal Lord Kingcraft was a Red Bank boy, and his warlike deeds and bravery were celebrated in song on the flyleaves of school books and occasionally on the panels of doors and the insides of desks. Lord Kingcraft won the great VC. May Red Bank do the same for me was discovered carved, evidently with much labour and pains, on the lid of a desk at which the celebrated field marshal formerly worried his brains over Euclid and algebra. This inscription was pointed out to the brave leader of men when he visited his old school, and he never forgot it. He hoped, from the bottom of his heart, the lad who carved it would one day win his VC. Red Bank was represented in the Navy and in the diplomatic world, and one day, it was hoped a Red Bank lad would become Prime Minister. So, with all these successful public men constantly before them as an example, the lads of Red Bank felt bound to endeavour to do great deeds and win renown for themselves and their school. The headmaster of Red Bank was the Reverend Henry Hook, and it was universally acknowledged that no more suitable man could have been selected. He ruled his lads with a firm hand, but he was no tyrant or hard taskmaster. The boys knew he meant what he said, 
and that his word to them could be implicitly relied upon. He had confidence in his boys, and they returned it. When Edgar Foster came to Red Bank School, he was 16, small for his age, but muscular and active. At this time, there were between two and three hundred scholars at Red Bank, and naturally, out of such a number, there were several lads whose absence would not have been regretted. Young Edgar Foster soon became popular. For one thing, his father was a well-known man who had worthily upheld the honour of Red Bank in the cricket field and had captained the All-England eleven. This was quite sufficient to give Edgar a standing in the school. Bullies exist in almost every walk of life, and a few of this undesirable species were to be found at Red Bank. The leader of these bullies was a lad named Raymond Rakes, Bully Rakes, as he was generally called. He was a big, hulking fellow, powerful and strong, but deficient in courage, as bullies generally are. There was nothing manly about Bully Rakes, and the boys knew it. So far he had held his own, for he was the biggest boy in the school. Any new scholar he at once endeavoured to inspire with awe, and generally succeeded. Our story commences about a week after Edgar Foster's arrival at Red Bank. The boys were bounding out of school and soon spread over the fields in groups. The bulk of them, however, went towards the cricketing nets. Edgar Foster had not had any opportunity of showing what he could do with the bat. He was a lad who did not push himself forward, but quietly bided his time, knowing full well that when that time came, he would not be found wanting. The boy is father to the man, and it will be gathered from this story of a lad of metal that Edgar Foster acted in this wise during many trying periods of his afterlife. Edgar watched the practice with keen and critical eyes. His father had taught him how to handle a bat as only a skillful player can. Here, Foster, take a turn, said the lad who had just finished batting. We've not had the chance of seeing how you shape yet. I'm ready, said Edgar, pulling off his coat and eagerly holding out a hand for the bat. It's my turn, said Bully Rakes. Just you drop that bat or I'll make you. Edgar Foster looked up at the big fellow standing before him, but he did not flinch, nor did he drop the bat. The boys crowded round, anticipating a row and anxious to see how the newcomer would shape with rakes. If it is your turn, said Edgar quietly, I will give you the bat. If it is not your turn, under no circumstances will I drop the bat. The tones were firm, there was no flinching, and the lad looked determined. Bully Rakes was not accustomed to be addressed in this manner. He eyed Edgar scornfully and said, I shall have to teach you manners. I am the best judge of whose turn it is. Will you drop that bat? Edgar turned to the lad who had handed him the bat and said, Do you bat in turns? Has Rakes any right to bat before me? Courage is infectious. Will Brown had never defied Rakes before, but he felt he must back up his plucky schoolmate. Rakes has no right to bat here at all, he replied. He's been batting at the other net and has just finished his turn. Edgar Foster made no further remark, but walked coolly to the wicket. This defiance of his demands gave Bully Rakes a shock. He knew if he allowed Foster to bat, his hold over the boys would be gone. He strode up to Edgar and said savagely, Give me the bat or I'll thrash you! Had you asked me politely at first, I should probably have handed you the bat, said Edgar. I shall not do so now. 
As for thrashing me, well, that has to be decided. Bravo, Foster! shouted several lads. Punch his head, rakes, said one of the bully's toadies. Give me that bat or fight me, shouted rakes in a passion. Shame, shouted the lads. Rakes was much taller and more powerfully built than Edgar. Edgar Foster handed the bat to Will Brown and said, Come on, I'm ready. Bully Rakes had his coat off, and the boys, seeing a fight about to take place, formed a ring. They would have given much to see Bully Rakes get a severe thrashing. Now they were in a fighting attitude, the disparity between the lads was more apparent. Edgar was lightly built, but active, and evidently in good condition. Bully Rakes was massive, heavy, and ponderous in his movements. The boys were determined to see fair play and gave Edgar every encouragement. As usual, when he had to fight, Bully Rakes rushed in at close quarters and tried to overwhelm his smaller opponent by the force of his onslaught. Edgar, however, was ready for him. He knew how to box better than most lads of his age. His father had taught him, impressing upon him that because he knew how to use his fists, he ought not to pick quarrels. Seeing Bully Rakes rush at him, Edgar sprang nimbly to one side. The bigger lad stumbled forward and almost fell. Thus, foiled at the first attempt, Rakes lost his temper. He heard the lads jeering at him, and he determined he would make Edgar suffer for the humiliation. Recovering himself, Rakes glared at Edgar and then aimed a terrific blow at his ribs. Quick as lightning shot out Edgar's left and caught Rakes on the ear. It was a stinging blow, and the bully did not take punishment well. Rakes again rushed at Edgar, and, closing with him, kicked him severely on the shin. It was a despicable act, and several lads pulled Rakes back, others shouting, Coward! And fair play! Hands off! shouted Rakes. You'd better not interfere with me! Leave him to Foster, said Will Brown. He'll settle him. A roar of laughter followed this remark and made Bully Rakes furious. Stand up and fight fair, said Edgar. Who taught you to kick? We're not playing football. The boys were delighted. Here was young Foster taking it out of Bully Rakes and chaffing him unmercifully. Rakes again commenced the attack, but with more caution. He was not a match for his young opponent when it came to science. He managed to land a blow on Edgar's right eye, but the return he received fairly between his own eyes staggered him. Edgar followed up his advantage and soon had the satisfaction of seeing Bully Rakes measure his length on the grass. The younger boys danced with delight as the defeat of their enemy looked assured. Rakes, however, was not yet beaten. He staggered to his feet and fought again with some determination. Feeling he had met his match, his courage, what little he possessed, gave way, and Edgar soon had the bully at his mercy. Edgar was not disposed to let him off lightly, and he knocked Rakes about in a manner that both astonished and alarmed him. Have you had enough? said Edgar, standing over him after another knockdown blow. If not, get up, and I'll repeat the dose. I've done for today, growled Rakes. But I'll be even with you for this. See if I don't. Take your defeat like a man, said Edgar, and drop bullying in the future. Where's the bat? he added, turning to Will Brown. But the boys would not let him bat. They cheered him 
and shook hands with him, and Edgar felt he had quickly made a position for himself in the school. Bully Rakes slunk away with one or two companions, who had been tempted by his example to bully on a smaller scale, and were downcast at his defeat. We get into a row, said Will Brown to Edgar. The chief can't bear fighting, but when he hears the truth, I fancy he'll side with you. He'll hear the truth then, said Edgar. I shall ask to see him when we reach school. I shouldn't, said Will Brown. None of the masters may have noticed it. It makes no difference to me whether they have noticed it or otherwise, said Edgar. I shall tell the doctor all about it. If he will see me, it is the most straightforward way, as I have only been about a week in the school. Perhaps you're right, said Will Brown. Sure of it, said Edgar. That evening, Dr. Hook received a polite note from Edgar Foster, in which he asked for an interview. Dr. Hook knew Edgar's father, and admired him for his many manly qualities. You wanted to see me, Foster, said Dr. Hook, when the lad came into his study. Then, catching sight of Edgar's discoloured eye, he frowned. Edgar explained what had occurred in the cricket field. Dr. Hook listened attentively, noting the boy's face all the time. His scrutiny was evidently favourable. I'm glad you came to me, said the headmaster. I strongly object to fighting, but in this instance I think it may be overlooked. Send rakes to me when you go out. Please, sir, said Edgar, and hesitated. I hope you will not punish rakes. I gave it him severely this afternoon. Dr. Hook smiled as he said, No, I will not punish rakes. I merely wish to speak to him about his conduct. You may go. That lad will get on in the world, thought Dr. Hook, when the door closed behind Edgar. I'm glad he thrashed Rakes. It will do him good. Bully Rakes got a very different reception to Edgar Foster, and as he left the room, he vowed he would have his revenge upon Edgar for sneaking to the headmaster. End of chapter one. Read by Ryan Jacob.